Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to Perry Noble's Leadership Podcast. Um, my name is Shane Duffy. I'm the Creative Arts Pastor at New Spring Church and serve on the leadership team with Perry. And today we're going to talk about being desperate for God and the importance of that. But before we get into today's um, talk, I want to take a second and make sure that you guys have on your calendar September 16th, 2010, New Springs first leadership conference it is going to be ridiculous and i'm just going to step out of the way and let perry who is the visionary for this event talk about uh, why we're doing it and why people should come well you know shane it's been real cool the past several years we've done unleash and unleash is a one-day conference um that basically focuses on the church the health of the church growing the church and and so as as we've seen it be successful because you come to a conference and it's done in one day um, you were like, you know, what if we applied that concept to a leadership conference? And so I asked um, five of the, who I would consider to be some of the top leaders um, in, in church world in our country, which would be Judd Wilhite, um, Judah Smith, Mark Driscoll, Francis Chan, Stephen Furtick. And uh, those five guys are going to join me, and we're going to um, speak uh, on one day, which I've heard one of the greatest miracles will be to get all of those guys to get sermons short enough to preach um, during one day because mo- all of us could preach all day sermons, but we're all we're going to do one day um, It's going to be the on the subject of leadership and it is going I think it's gonna be great um, In fact, I've already and I'm speaking first so I can just take notes the rest of the day and I'm not following any of those guys Good gosh, so uh, September 16th one day um, here at New Spring Church you can go online at newspring.cc uh, and there, there's a button there that says Leadership Conference, and, and you can, it has all the registration information. But it is, it is going to be a blast. Yeah, I personally can't wait for it either. It is going to be phenomenal. And if you're out there considering uh, what you're going to do this fall to grow in leadership and understand how you can use the influence that God has given you, whatever circle that is in, you do not want to miss New Springs Leadership Conference 2010. So go to the website, click on the Leadership Conference, and get registered today. Well, you know, we, I just noticed, Shane, looking at the thing online, that um, three of us wear glasses and three of us don't. I don't know what significance that has, but I just thought it was kind of cool because me and Judah and Judd all wear glasses, and then Stephen, Mark, and Francis don't. So maybe at the end of the whole thing, we'll do a big, huge cage fight um, and let the people that wear glasses fight the people that I, – I just made that up. Well, you know what else is cool about that site? You're in black and white until the, the little – arrow goes over you and then you turn color i didn't know you could do that it is so cool. right now steven furtick is wearing a blue shirt and pastor mark's wearing black of course because he's bad francis is wearing black i mean it's just it's awesome yeah i could i could play with that all day it's, it's awesome <laughs> you know what we're all wearing black or blue that is so weird so that's we need to have the fight now because somebody's gonna be black and blue after the fight that's i don't, I don't anyway that'd be fun well, you know what? That provides a perfect segue for our time here. Because really? In, yeah, because oh. really, if we're going to do anything for the people listening to this deal, we're going to have to get desperate for God to show up and do something great. So uh, that's what we want to talk about today in all seriousness, um, is this need uh, for any believer, but certainly a church leader and a senior pastor, to maintain their desperation to see God work. And Perry, as you know, you see and talk to so many church leaders, and it's so easy to give up. So easy to lose faith. And today, um, as we go into a clip from uh, Unleash 09, and we're going to listen to you talk about that for a minute, and then we'll come back and uh, dialogue some questions. 
God, I don't want to do church without you. I don't want to do church without you. You can have the lights back. You can have the the smoke back. You can have the instruments back. Here's the deal, Jesus. When we meet together as a body on Sunday morning, if you're not there, then what we're doing is completely useless, and i got to have you if anything significant is going to happen. I can show up. I can make people laugh. I can make people cry, but I can't change anyone's life. You can. Jesus, i got to have you. When is the last time, Pastor, you were that desperate for Jesus to show up in your church service and do something so amazing you go, only God could do that right there. Yeah. Moses said, if my pre- Mo- Moses said that, and then verse 16, he said, How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Moses said, God, I want your presence. I'm wondering, pastors, I'm wondering, ministry leaders, youth pastor, I'm wondering how many of us really want the presence of God. Do you want attendance or repentance? Because you can have attendance without repentance. But when you start seeing repentance happen, I promise you attendance will go up. But let me tell you something, pastors, it takes us being willing to stand up and say, this is the word of God, this is the authority of God, this is what God's word says, and I'm not backing down from the Bible. It takes you and I preaching Jesus, crucified, risen, King, Lord, Savior, coming back, conqueror. It takes us talking about the man, Jesus Christ. People will leave. Of course they will. Of course they will. I talked about this two years ago. I want to bring it up again. It's not a bad thing when people leave your church. Come on now. If you're a pastor, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You have celebrated. (laughs) Somebody tell you, you're like, oh, man, you get in your car, you're like, yes. (laughs) I've had people say to me, Perry, we're trying to close the back door to the church. Well, you don't need to close the back door. Look at the illustration of the church in Scripture. The church is a body. If you close the back door to your body, Sometimes an enema (laughs) is the best thing that can happen to a church. Now, I'm telling you, when you start praying and begging for the presence of God, the unexplainable happens. People start getting saved. Lives start getting changed. And let, let me tell you something. People can say what they want to about your church because they say it about ours. But you can't deny the presence of God. You can't explain it away. When is the last time as a leader you were desperate for the presence of God? You know, how do you stay desperate? How do you stay desperate for God, for the presence of God in your life, in your leadership, and in preaching? Um, in life, it's just your, your daily walk. 
um, you know, as you go to the scriptures, as, as I read the Bible um, more and more and more and more, I'm reminded not of how great I am, but of how great he is. I think one of the, the problems that many times we'll, we face as leaders, the biggest temptation that a leader is going to face is pride, period. Um, and, and so if we're not reading the Bible on our own, and I'm not just talking about sermon preparation or whatever, but if we're not going to the Word of God and saying, I really need to hear your voice today, Lord, um, not so that I'll be a better preacher, but so that I'll be shaped into your image, um, if we're not doing that, then we actually begin to think that um, God's not that great, but we sure are flipping awesome. And so we will um, begin to buy lies from the enemy where he, and we'll let pride get into our lives. And, um, and so the thing I do is continually go to the scriptures and I'm reminded, you know, he stooped down to make me great. I mean, that, like he stooped down. I'm not great. It's just he's great and he stooped down. And, you know, there's just so many times when God has slapped my, uh, slapped my face or kind of rung my bell and just been like, hey, man, here, here's the deal. You're, you're not that good, Perry, um, but I'm that good. And so I would say that's how I do it um, personally. What about – talk about in, in leadership and in preaching. Uh, leadership, the way you stay desperate for God is, is um, I think, Shane, the way I stay desperate for God in leadership is I just know I'm not that smart. Uh, I, I made a 790 on my SAT, and that's a big joke at conferences and stuff because people always want to know, was that verbal or math? And I'm like, no, nah, that's the whole thing. As I made a 790. I'm, I'm, I'm not very – I'm not smart. And so I, I know that I get way too much credit for what's going on around here. People go, oh, man, I love your kids' ministry. And I'm like, I, have, I, don't, I, I do too. Um, my daughter's in it, but I don't know – you know, I didn't come up with all that stuff and the – Iggy, I think that's our um, little character down there. Like, I didn't even know his name was Iggy till the other day. Somebody was talking about Iggy. Uh, so so I, I know that I'm not that good. And so I think that comes from, once again, just my time in Scripture and understanding that I've got to work with um, the people around me, not work the people around me. And, and that, that's been a huge thing for me. Uh, and then what was the third one in preaching? Preaching. Oh, God, man, it's just... Over and over and over again, I'm real. I realize that that the great men of God in the scriptures um, spoke when they got a word from God, and when God filled them up, they went out and said exactly what God told them to say, which most of the time was not popular. Um, in fact, all the good preachers in Scripture got killed. Uh, seriously, I mean, all the really good ones got like Jesus, pretty great preacher. Um, he got killed. Paul got killed. Um, Isaiah got killed, the Old Testament prophet. So John the Baptist got killed. Like all the great preachers got killed. And so I was just like, whoa, reading through, the, reading through the Bible, I'm like, okay, everybody's not supposed to like my messages. In fact, the really great ones got killed. So, um, uh, so I'm just got to say what God lays on my heart to say and pray that he will bring about the results that he wants to see. And uh, so I guess that's how I stay desperate for God. That's good. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think on a, in a Sunday message, you talked about, or maybe it's just you and I talking, I don't remember, but uh, you mentioned the concept that the presence of God and the Word of God are inseparable. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah, I was reading the other day um, and when, they, when Solomon brought the ark into the temple. And so Solomon's bringing the ark into the temple, and the Bible specifically says the only thing in the ark was the Ten Commandments. Um, so it was the tablets that Moses had written the Ten Commandments on, which was the Word of God. The Ten, I mean, most people would not even 
dispute that. It's the Word of God. So right after that sentence, either right before or right after, it talks about, and the presence of God filled the temple. And I just wrote that down in my journal. The Word of God and the presence of God go together. And I've had, I've had pastors and church leaders go, well, you talk about the presence of God. God's not showing up in my church. And the first thing I always ask, I'm not, not being arrogant, just curious, is are you preaching the Word of God? Because the presence of God will always accompany the Word of God. He said that uh, His Word will not return void. He promises that in His Word. I mean, as, as the rain falls to the heaven and, and it produces a crop, so it, so it is with my Word. It will not return void. And so I, I would say that, that if we want to see the presence of God in our church services, we've got to preach the Word of God. And then I talked about undeniable. Here's, here's what's amazing. If God's in your church, you don't have to advertise that. It always kind of cracks me up when I see church advertising saying God is here. Because if he's there, you don't have to tell anybody. Like Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell and God showed up, like they didn't have really cool slick cards that they that said, hey, God is with us. Um, Old Testament, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They didn't have to advertise that God was with them. You know, and so when you're preaching the word of God and the presence of God shows up, you don't have to really tell anybody about it because people figure that out. Yeah, you mentioned that the unexplainable happens, that what when the presence of God shows up, it cannot be denied. Um, that being said, you know, talking about the Word, Jesus is the Word, and you mentioned in there if you preach the man, the man Jesus, people are going to leave. Yes. Talk about that. Why is it so important for Jesus to be preached every week? I, th- I think... Well, it, the, the entire Bible centers around him. I mean, it centers around, around Christ. And the, the thing about coming back to Jesus is if you read through the Gospels, Jesus always called for some sort of commitment. I mean, he's always challenging people to make some sort of commitment. There's always just this grenade that he kind of throws into the crowd, it's just, and it's just like, boom. And you, like you, you couldn't listen to Jesus and go, well, he's a really nice teacher, and I think he had some great things to say. I mean, when Jesus taught, you're like, man, I've, I've really got to do something with that. And so I think if you're preaching about him, that type of message is going to come out to where you're not preaching for information, but you're preaching for transformation. Um, I, I think there's, there's two, like, Jesus did not say they will know you are my disciples because you are so flippin' smart and you can be so smart that you can be arrogant because you can pronounce theological terms that nobody else can pronounce. He said... They'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Well, the love we have for one another takes place through a transformation process, not an information process. Because I would say that most Christians know they should love one another. It's just that we don't do it very well sometimes. And so um, that's, I mean, that, that's, that, that, when, you, when you talk about Christ, it's always going to come back to making some sort of commitment. You can't sit on the fence. You've got to go one way or the other. And any time a pastor or a leader calls for commitment, People are going to run to it, and people are going to run from it. You're always going to have both responses. Yeah, you know, what amazed me about Jesus is he spent three years preaching and preached to thousands and thousands of people, but when he ascended to heaven, there was 120 people standing with him, and Jesus obviously wasn't afraid to preach a message that, like you just said, called for commitment. You were on one side or the other. Why do you think so many pastors are afraid to push people on commitment for the fear that they're going to leave and go to another church or leave the church or or whatever reason, just walk away. Jesus didn't seem to be afraid of people leaving. Why do you think some of us are? 
Uh, it goes down to what I call the prostitute or profit syndrome. Um, a prostitute is someone who is paid for a service that makes someone feel better about themselves. Um, and they can perform on command. And I think a lot of pastors are not prophets, they're prostitutes because they are paid for a service to make someone feel good and they can perform on command. In other words, the, the goal of Sunday is is not, the goal of Sunday is let's not offend people, let's do something where they're gonna wanna come back next week. And I always want people to come back to church, but the goal of preaching a message is pointing people to Jesus and having their life changed and if someone's going to need to get offended and leave our church and go away for a year or two years or, or possibly never come back, but that message plants a seed in their heart that eventually brings about some sort of change, I've got to be okay with that. But um, I think a lot of times we as pastors, we get caught up in the numbers. So if we um, preach Jesus light or we preach um, or we don't even talk about the guy, you know, we just talk, this here's how to have your, you know, whatever seven steps for success in life or whatever, and we can kind of walk through that. Um, I, th I think that if we don't call for commitment, people can leave and go, well, that was a nice sermon. Well, I don't think Jesus died on a cross so we could preach nice sermons that make people feel good. I think Jesus died on a cross to reconcile man to God, and that's a pretty radical, urgent mm -hmm. message um, that Jesus, I mean, the Bible says is going to offend people from time to time. So it's the it's the prostitute or the prophet. And the prophet was just somebody that just did what God told them to do. I mean, they just, I mean, like I said, all those guys wound up dead, but they were just radical. I mean, they were, they had to stand before kings and leaders and go, here's the problem, bro. You're sinning and you need to knock that off. I mean, that, 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 that was a bold, radical message, but they did it because God set their heart on fire. So you've either got a prostitute in the pulpit or you've got a prophet and the prostitute works works for money, um, and the prophet works for God. Well, you, in the clip we listened to, you mentioned that you know you are desperate for our church to be about repentance more than it is attendance. And that being said, uh, we do track attendance numbers. Yes. So tell tell our listeners why it's not those things aren't in conflict. It's okay to track numbers and want your church to grow but still be about repentance. Yes, I love the churches that say they don't track numbers. Um, that, that to me always makes me laugh a little bit because they do. Uh, they count the offering every week. And so if they're not concerned about numbers, they should stop counting the offering. Um, and they should stop looking at their personal checking accounts because after all, that's numbers. And they should um, stop freaking out that their kid made a 790 on their SAT like me because it's just numbers. I mean... Uh, we care about the numbers. We care about certain numbers, and God cares about certain numbers. And so we do track attendance uh, because we want to know who's coming, and you know the specific. We can see attendance patterns and stuff. But um, it, I think, or not, th I want repentance in our church services more than attendance. Now, here, here's the thing: a lot of people will go, well. Uh, our church isn't growing, but people are repenting. Well, if people are repenting, that means they're getting right with God. If people are getting right with God, that means their heart are, is in line with God's heart. If people's hearts are in lines with God's heart, that means the same thing that breaks God's heart will break their heart. Lost people break the heart of God. Therefore, lost people will break the heart of the people in that church, and they will want to go out and reach people far from God. So that logic doesn't hold water at all. I, I just I want to come back to the... Um, I'm all about doing a nice direct mail piece. I'm all about doing a really slick series. I'm all about doing everything around it 
But if the goal of that series is just to get people to church so they can hear a positive message that encourages them to be a better person, that sucks. Mm-hmm. The goal of the the goal of the message is to preach Jesus in a way that people can understand on their level. So yes, do all those things because we do those things from time to time. I'm I am not against those things. But the goal of doing all those things should be to bring people to a place where ultimately they're going to hear the gospel and be challenged to make a decision for Christ. Yeah, while you were saying that, I was just thinking that you know, better people still go to hell. Yeah. Changed people go to heaven. That's, and that's right. That's what we're about. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you, you're talking about God doing the unexplainable, the undeniable. Do you come into every service each Sunday expecting God to do the unexplainable or do you just hope something happens? You know, I would love to say that I expect it every week, but I don't. I mean, some Sundays you come in and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to do this and then tomorrow I got to do this and we got a meeting on Tuesday and I'm going out of town this week and da 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 And so you really have to fight. And so I would say over the past six months, that's been more of a consistent prayer of mine is God, okay, do the unexplainable because he has. Um, I remember I preached a message one time on tithing and it was it was a straight up tithe message and you know and those are always fun messages for preachers to preach especially as your church grows and uh after the message god said we'll give an invitation like i really felt the holy spirit speaking in my heart saying give an invitation give an invitation i'm like god come on the message is on tithing and and god's like no you got to give an invitation and it i I did and it was a huge response to the god i mean because the gospel was in the message and people gave their lives to christ on a tithing message and I went home that day or that night going I don't understand that and I just kind of felt a confirmation in my spirit going that that's why that's why God's moving in your church if you can explain what God is doing in your church then God's not doing anything in your church mm-hmm. you look at the great moves of God that took place in the scriptures nobody could explain that like go back to the pillar of cloud pillar of fire well, let me tell you how that's happening they didn't have a flipping clue they had never seen that before Acts 2, let me tell you what happened. They don't know. They don't, they don't know what happened. That had never happened before. So if you can fully explain, okay, let me tell you the reason so many people are coming to our church. We did a, you know, we did this, and we did a billboard, and we did a website, and we did this, and da-da-da, and all these people came to our church. Great. They're there. God's not. You're going to have to wrestle with that one. Yeah, I, that drives me crazy. I mean, it's Jesus. Uh, let me ask you this, because you mentioned it right at the beginning uh, of your answer to that last question. I mean, we all have ups and downs, and obviously if you're the senior leader at a church, you're probably going to experience higher highs and lower lows than anyone. So what do you do when you feel like giving up? Well, you got to focus on Christ because, and I know that's the, God, that's such a Sunday school answer. What climbs a tree and is furry (laughs) and stores acorns for the winter? And it's like, I know that's a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus because I'm in church. Um, I... Yeah, I really do. I have to focus on Christ because um, I heard Bill Hobble say one time when a guy said something to him about quitting, and he said, give me one reason why I shouldn't quit, Bill. And Bill said, because one day we're going to stand in front of someone whose assignment was much tougher than ours, and he didn't quit. And uh, that's just like a, that's, that's like a kick in the growing right there. It's like, oh, I can't quit. Um, but, you know, some of the things you, you got to do as a leader is um, you got to pay attention to the rhythm of your body. Um, I remember Craig Rochelle telling me as he said, as you get older, you're not going to be able to push it as hard. And that was a couple of years ago. And I laughed and, and now I'm two years older and I'm going, wow, I'm not able to push it as hard. 
Um, you've got to medically take care of yourself. You've got to spiritually take care of yourself, emotionally take care of yourself. You've got to get the proper amount of rest. You've got to have some fun in your life. Oh, my gosh. I mean, most pastors, you ask them, what do they do for fun? They go, I exegete the text. And I'm like, there's a nerd. Um, You've you got to have some fun. And so you've really got to pay attention to what God is saying to you, and you've got to pay attention to what's going on around you um, and kind of be willing to catch your breath. Um, as we're concluding, I want to just give you a second to do a couple of things. First, in the in the clip, you are preaching from Genesis chapter 33, and you mentioned how Moses basically says, God, your presence has to be with us, has to go with us. If not, then don't send us. Um, I just want to hear from you because I believe there's so many guys that are listening to this who are in that place where they want to be desperate. They just don't know how or they've given up hope. I want you to talk about how you relate to Moses in that moment. I know you've read that passage a, a zillion times, and it means a lot to you. But talk about how you relate to Moses begging God at that time. How can you? How does that? How do you relate to that? How can you translate that to the people who are listening? You, you know, I, I remember reading that particular passage or preaching on that passage in 2006 when we moved here and to to the current facility that we're in right now and um, it was a huge move for us and um, i'd preached that met that part of the message to the church about how we we just want to be desperate for god we just want his presence to be with us and as i look back um over the past 10 years of ministry that has been a constant theme in my my life and my ministry is all right i remember when we started the church i was like god well i don't i don't want to start this if you're not going to be in it like, I don't want to do godless church. There's enough godless church going on. I, I don't want to even start this. And every move that we've made is, God, I want you to be in this. Um, I'm gonna, I, I think right now, just in my life personally, I'm more desperate for him than I've ever been because um, I'm facing leadership challenges that I've never faced right now. And so I'm like, all right, God, if you don't tell me what to do, if you don't give me direction, I'm going to screw this up. And I think the biggest comfort I take away, Shane, um, from from that type of attitude is the Bible says that God knows our hearts and that God, I know in my heart that God wants me to get this right more than I want to get it right. And God wants me to hear his voice way more than I want to hear his voice sometimes. And so he's not going to let me mess it up. Like he's just not going to let me mess it up. And so as long as I stay desperate and I stay open, He's going to show me the next step. Now, that's the thing about the Lord is he never shows us the next 10. Um, you know, every th- every three-year, four-year, five-year strategy we've put together has fallen apart in six months or less. I don't think they work in the church. I've never seen a church go, this is our five-year strategy, and they came back in five years and said it worked perfectly. Um, it... <laughs> Five-year strategies are a joke, Um, and I know there's a lot of people going, not in my church, and it really is. You're going to laugh at it in five years, I promise. But the thing I found that's consistent about the Lord is he said, your word is a—David wrote, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lamp to my feet. I don't know if David wrote that. Maybe that's Psalm 119. But anyway, lamp to my feet, light to my path. Well, a lamp to the feet and light to the path, when you're out walking in the dark, you can see the next step. You can't see ten steps in front of you you can see the next step. And so the thing I'm walking away confident with is knowing um, you stay desperate for God. He's going to reveal the next step 
in his time, because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he makes everything beautiful in his time. So knowing the promises of God that he's not going to let me, and if there's a leader out there wrestling with this, he's not going to let you screw it up if you truly sincerely desire to hear his voice. Man, there's just some great comfort in that truth. There's just some phenomenal comfort in knowing I'm desperate for God. He's not going to let me mess this up. God, whatever you say to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Well, that's a good place for us to wind this down. You know, again, I'll just re- remind everybody that, as you said earlier, the presence of God and the Word of God are inseparable. It boils down to staying focused on His Word, letting that lead your path, and just doing the next right thing. Yeah, and let me say this, Shane. Staying focused on God's Word, um, there are different opinions about this all over America. I would just say preach God's Word how God leads you to preach His Word. I don't... I, there are some guys that are friends of mine that start with a book, and they go through the book of, you know, whatever, Romans, Colossians, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians. Praise God for that. Those guys are tearing it up. They're much better Bible teachers than I'll ever be, and they just, they are, it's phenomenal. That's not the only way to teach the Bible. Um, the presence of God is also found in somebody. I, I've heard speakers that can take one verse, and by the time they're done with that verse, I am messed up because they took that verse and pointed back to Christ. Or they, they did five or six or seven different verses all through the scriptures. And those those messages are effective too. God, God is not limited to some sort of method. Um, it's the message that matters. And so as long as the message is pointing back to Jesus Christ, I don't think the method of how we preach matters that much to him. It's like, because it's the big fight. you got to preach exegetically, line by line. Oh, yeah, just like Jesus did. Like, he never did that. He never took the Torah and taught line by line, verse by verse. He told more stories. Hey, it reminds me about a farmer and went out and threw, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So I would just say preach the Word of God how he leads you to preach the Word of God. That's good. I mean, how screwed up would we be if God had to operate in our five-year strategic plan and oh, our method of doing church? That, that, that would just be a bad day. Yep. I'm grateful that God's in control and we're not. Again, we'll conclude now uh, with this leadership podcast from Perry Noble. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.